All right, with, with that said, I thought, well, what do I want to talk about? And, and this is something that I have mentioned before in passing, uh, I think a year or two ago. But it's Paul, the Apostle Paul, talking to his son in Christ, talking to Timothy. Paul knows that his days are at the end. He is finishing his, his course of life. He is getting ready to transition to go be with the Lord. Um, that is not my case. Amen. Hopefully, knock on wood. Um, <laughs> but I won't be here with you. So here's what Paul tells Timothy. He said, but you, Timothy, and he's just finished this discourse on, on uh, false doctrines and, and, and everything else that is going to embrace the church, the body of believers. He said, but as for you, keep your head in all situations. Think about that for a moment. Here he is, he's, he's talking to, to Timothy, and the very first thing he says is, Timothy... Keep your head in the game. I, I used to love to coach basketball, and I had one basketball player. He was a good basketball player. He was fast. He wasn't the greatest shot. He played good defense. But his greatest gift on the basketball court was he could irritate anybody. And if we were playing against a team that had one player that was outstanding we would play a box four and I would put him on that one player and he would get them so mad, so rattled that they wanted to fight him and they would get their head out of the game. That's why I had him in the game because I did not want them to, to focus on what was going on. Paul is telling Timothy Timothy, there are going to be times in life that the adversary of your soul is going to try to rattle you, trying to get you to stay less than focused. Stay true to the gospel. Keep your head in the game. The Bible tells us to, to study to show yourself approved unto God a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. It's imperative. It, it, it's on us to keep our focus on Christ. Know what is biblical versus what is preferential. Know what Scripture absolutely says. Be true to the gospel, Timothy. Stay the course. Keep your head in all situations. If you have lived more than a, a year or two of life, you will discover that, that life is going to throw you some curves. That, that there are going to be ups and then there are going to be downs. There's going to be great times and then there's going to be bad times. There's going to be times of plenty and there's going to be times of need. Paul said it this way, I have learned to be content in all situations. What was he saying? I have learned to stay focused on my relationship with Christ and keep my head in the game. 
I would encourage you in your walk and relationship with God, keep your focus on Christ. He goes on to say this, not only keep your head in, in all situations, but endure hardship. I don't like either one of those words. I don't like endure, and I don't like hardship. But what is he saying? Endure hardship. He's talking about the truth. You're going to have difficult times. If you are a Christian, if you are following Christ, you're going to have opposition. How many know that? How many know that most of your opposition will not come from outside the church, but inside the church? You know why? Because outside the church is out there, inside the church. That's why the Bible says that most of your wounds are in the house of your friends. It's, it's important to understand, to not only keep your head in the game, but endure hardship. What is he saying? He's saying, guard your heart. Make sure nothing gets in your heart that will prevent you from passionately following Christ. Don't give up. Keep moving forward. Always have grace. Always have mercy. Always have love. Always have compassion. If somebody asks you to walk a mile, walk two. If somebody slaps one cheek, turn the other. What, what did Christ mean by that? He simply meant keep your heart focused on him. Keep moving forward. Don't quit. Edgar Albert Guest uh, wrote a poem once about don't quit. I've read it before. I, I think I want to take a moment to read it again. He said, when things go wrong, as sometimes they will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high, when you want to smile but you have to sigh, when, when care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is strange with its twists and turns, and every one of us sometimes learns, and many a fellow turns about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up, though the pace seems slow. You may succeed with another blow. Often the goal is nearer than it seems to a faint and faltering man. Often the struggles... The struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup. And he learned too late when the night came down how close he was to the golden crown. Success as failure turned inside out the silver tint of the clouds of doubt. And when you can never tell how close you are, it may be near when it seems so far. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worse, you must not quit. If you're struggling in, in your job, if you're struggling in your family relationships, if you're struggling in any area of your life, don't quit. Stay focused on Christ. Keep, you, know, you say, well, well the, uh, 
the doctor's report wasn't that great. Don't quit. Well, my friend Uncle Sam wants more from me. Don't quit. Well, I just got laid off. Don't quit. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, well, my, my family is in turmoil. Don't quit. Rest if you have to, but keep pushing forward in Christ because Christ will never let you down. He said endure hard times. Then he goes on, do the work of an evangelist. You know what doing the work of an evangelist is? It's fulfilling the Great Commission. It's sharing with others the gospel. Matthew 28, 19 is a command to each and every one of us. It's not a suggestion. It's not, hey, if you have some extra time, would you please share what I have done? It's a command for all of us. It's a commission. We have been commissioned by Almighty God to share the good news. You know what's so amazing about sharing the good news? The times that I have struggled in my relationship with God are the times that I wasn't sharing the good news. The reason why it's so important to share with others what you believe, because it's, it's easy for us to share which, which sports team's our favorite. It's easy for us to, to share which political view we have, sometimes. Why is it difficult to share that we trust in Christ. And here's the beauty of it. When you learn to share the gospel, it builds your faith. If you want to have a strong, victorious walk with God, share the gospel. You know, you know and, and you, you've heard me say multiple times about you can't rely on programs. And, and, I'm, and I've told you I'm not against programs. I'm not against ministries. But I, I do know that programs within church bring in about 7% of all people that are in church. And if you're one of those 7%, yes. Do you know what brings in more people than anything else? People telling people. 84% of everybody that's in church is because somebody shared the gospel with somebody else. And you say, well, I don't know how to share the gospel. Yeah, you do. You say, well, I don't know the Roman road. That's okay. All you have to do is tell them what Jesus has done for you. Because when you're trying to, to share something that's just rote memory and you don't have a passionate connection to it, it comes across as rote memory. But when you're sharing something that God has done for you it's alive it's passionate and it connects with people on an intimate personal level I would encourage you as, as Paul was telling Timothy he said keep your head in all situations endure hardship share the gospel and then he goes on to say discharge the duties of your ministry in other words Fulfill what God has called you to do. Do you know when God, when, when you're standing before the Lord, the Lord's not going to ask you uh, how much you gave. 
He is not going to ask you how many churches you built. He is not going to ask you how many missions trips you took. He's only concerned with, did you do what I asked you to do? Jeremiah, one of the most revered prophets in the Old Testament, preached some 40 years with zero converts recorded. Can you imagine having a job that you did for 40 years and have no productivity? Ananias in the New Testament, we don't know anything about him other than God gave him a responsibility. He said, I want you to get up, Ananias, and I want you to go pray for Saul of Tarsus. You know that guy that's been throwing your friends in jail? I want you to go pray for him. We don't know if he did anything before that. We don't know if he did anything after that. The only thing we do know about Ananias is that he heard from God and was obedient to God, and because he was obedient to God, Saul became Paul and wrote most of the New Testament. Just do what God has asked you to do. Don't compare yourself with somebody else. Don't compare yourself with the past or don't compare yourself with the future. Just live in what God has called you to do. No matter if you think it's simplistic or impossible, just step out and do what God has asked you to do and he will not ask any more of you than what he is calling you to do. Discharge the duties of your ministry. Paul goes on to say, remember, I'm, I'm already getting ready to be poured out like a drink offering, and my time of departure is near. Look what he says. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness. Paul said, if you do these four things, listen. He said, this is what I've done. I fought a good fight. I didn't cheat and I didn't fight dirty. I stayed true to the course. He said, I finished my race. I did what God asked me to do. I stayed in my lane. I finished my race. I've kept the faith. I didn't allow doubt to creep in. I didn't allow frustration to creep in. I didn't allow bitterness to creep in. I didn't allow anything in my life to interfere. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my race. I have kept the faith. And then he goes on to say, now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness. And here's the beauty of it. If you don't hear anything else I say today, please hear this. Keep your eternal perspective. Keep your eyes on the prize. Why are you a Christian? Why did you give your life to Christ? Is it not because he is the one that can grant eternal life? Is it not because 
you realize that you are in need of a Savior and you understand that things were not right between you and your Creator, so you came to Christ and you asked Him to forgive you of your sins and He pardoned you and cleansed you and gave you eternal life, isn't it because you know that this world is no longer your home, that you're just passing through, but your treasures are laid up somewhere? beyond the blue. Don't you realize that the most important thing that you can ever do is give your life to Christ and the most important thing that you can ever live by is an eternal perspective, not a temporal perspective of what's going to happen today or tomorrow, but when I stand before Christ, I want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And the only way you're going to hear him say that is if you bow your knee and confess Christ as Lord and Savior. I love the old song. I'm going to ask our praise team to come back. Uh, I love the old song, When We All Get to Heaven. Because it says, What a day of miserable sorrow that will be. It doesn't say that. What does it say? What a day of what? Rejoicing. What a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all get to heaven, we will gripe and complain. It doesn't say that, does it? It says when we all get to heaven, we will sing and shout the victory. My friends, keep your eye on the prize. And when the trumpet sounds, there will be a time in heaven that we will be there together and we will rejoice together and we will say, we have made it because of Christ. Would you stand with me? I'm going to ask. Um, we have a request for prayer. I'm going to ask the elders, if they're available, would they please come? And if there is anybody today that needs prayer, either prayer for healing or for whatever you have need of, I want you to please come and we will pray with you and ask the Lord's blessings upon you.